Hi and welcome back to Galvanise. This week I'm joined by Jamie Law from The Vistas and we cover everything from how the band started out to their first album success and of course all the behind the scenes that goes on from the music videos into their new look. Enjoy this episode! There you go. <laughs> Hiya Jamie, go. welcome <laughs> to Galvanise. I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be good. How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Um, not a lot. I've had my hair cut, went off for lunch. Pretty chilled oh. out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to catching up and doing this. Did you have a drink indoors? I have actually. I had two pints, so oh, pretty goodness. good. Happy days. <laughs> you live in the dream. Not only have you had two pints, but you've had your hair cut. As you can see, I clearly need these root seams. Like, that's all happening this weekend. So you've jumped the gun, but that's amazing. <laughs> So, nice one, I want to talk to you about yourself and the Vistas, which are an amazing band. Like, there's no two ways about it. You guys are so unique and creative, and you're from Edinburgh. So, honestly, what's what's not to love about you guys? But I want to kind of break it down and see behind the scenes and how you kind of got to where you are now, if that's all right. Yeah, definitely. So let's start with you in particular, Jamie. When did you first become interested in music? It was probably the end of primary school. And uh, a guy who was, well, my guitar teacher throughout primary school and high school, his name was Mr. McLeod. He came to our primary school and he said, is anyone interested in playing guitar? So I thought, yeah, why not? Um, that was primary seven. Mm-hmm. So I took an interest there. Then into high school same thing just my favorite class well the only class I was actually quite good at was music mm-hmm. everything else I was pretty bad at and um, yeah so throughout high school just I was always looking forward to going into music and just as, as I said the only thing I was actually not too bad at then um, I, I think I started playing like bass guitar and like electric guitar when I was like 15 years old I think that's when I took a proper interest in and like um like going to gigs and like going to see like listening to new bands and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe midway through high school. Yeah. And the guitar was always your instrument of choice. You didn't dabble in other instruments. I know myself, I dabbled in the recorder for a few years. <laughs> that was very short lived. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I've never played I never played that instrument though. Um it was mainly the guitar. I used to play like um, like classical guitar, mm-hmm. so it was like um, like Fender style, and um, that was that was what I played in the early parts of high school. But um, yeah, it was mainly guitar, acoustic guitar, like bass guitar. A couple of other guys in the band play like keyboard and like piano and all that kind of stuff. And some of I think Prentice can play like every instrument in the world. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he could play like he plays the violin, plays the piano, plays the drums. You can, you can send, but yeah, I just stick to the bass guitar. Yeah. You stick to what you know. <laughs> yeah, too right. I'm, I'm pretty happy doing that as well. <laughs> so pre-band, did you find you were quite creative yourself? Did you like kind of making up your own tunes or was that something you were interested in? I, I would say the more uh, creative and like coming to the table with songs was, was Prentice. Like uh, he does all the songwriting stuff with the band. However, we got really like pally in midway through high school. So we would then, um, whenever I seen him in music class, me and him would just play like 
we pick up the two guitars and we just play because we're in the same year in high school with each other. Dylan's the the lead guitarist; he's a year below us. So um, whenever it's just me and Prentice, we would always like play along to songs and we just like mess about with. But when it comes to like the writing part of it, it's mainly Prentice that um, that does all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So how were the Vistas formed then? Was it through purely friendship in high school? Yeah, it's exactly that, because um, as I said, the music class, me and Prentice would just be like, messing about, just playing the songs that we like, that we like, like enjoyed listening to. And then, then we started a band in high school, and Prentice was in another band, who was with Dylan, who's a year below. Then um, naturally, when you finish high school, people go to university, people, but it's like commitments start happening. So the two bands that Prentice was in, one with me, and one with Dylan, they just kind of split up. But me, Prentice, and Dylan were like, "Oh well, we we enjoy doing this, so mm-hmm. gonna just start again, start afresh." So the three of us just thought, "Okay, we'll we'll do that," and we started a new band. And then um, it was probably a good time to do it because um, a lot of my close friends are really like I'm still really good pals with a lot of my mates from high school, mm-hmm. and then um, it's funny because they still have the mindset of me as being in that old high school band. So right. we, we thought to ourselves when we were like 18, we need to rebrand ourselves. We need to kind of take it more serious and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because like back in high school, you'd say to your mates, do you, do you mind coming to, to one of our shows? And they'd be like, oh, I don't know. But now that now that we're doing a little bit better, they're like, can we come for free? And I said, no, ch- <laughs> no chance, just buy a ticket. So, <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, after high school. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so bad. But after high school, we, just, we kind of just thought to ourselves, like, let's start start again, start a new band and just see what see what we could do with it. So yeah. Yeah, wow. And where's the name Vistas come from? It's a, I wish we had some sort of like this amazing is always story. Catchy but, um, people out there in bands. They're, I mean there doesn't have no, it's, just, <laughs> it's um we had a long list of like names mm-hmm. of um we had some really weird names from like um Obviously, the Scottish band, the Fratellis. Mm-hmm. The Fratellis is obviously like an Italian name. So we we had looked at all these like Italian surnames, and we were like, "Nah, we can't, we can't do that." Mm-hmm. Then um, Prentice saw an interview with the band Spetta, and Spetta is like it's two syllables, and they said two syllable band names are the best band names. So obviously, Vistas and yeah. Spetta. So, and then it's very funny though because um we know like back in high school or after high school we never knew who spec well we knew the we knew who they were but we never really knew like fred leadsinger but like we're not quite pally with them now but yeah so um we had a long list of names and we just went through them all and then i think it's quite a good name a lot of people pronounce it vistas or vistas or it doesn't really matter but uh, yeah it's just um it's funny because like uh, we all say like this like Vistas, but like uh, a lot of people say Vistas, it doesn't matter to be honest. Like it's it's either or it's not like a million miles away from each other. Yeah, very true. Oh well, so that's interesting. So see with when it came to you having a different band from some of your other bandmates and you kind of merged, would you say your style as the Vistas are quite different from your high school band? Or were they along the same line? Yeah, definitely, because um as I said, in the old band and the band we're in now, Vistas, it was always Prentice that was writing the tunes. So when we were 16 years old in high school, Prentice, um, which to be fair, a lot of the songs back then were, were like pretty good, but 
that was about eight years ago now. So Prentice has gotten a lot better with his songwriting and stuff. So um, the elements were still there because we all we all really like um, like Kenzo Leon, The Strokes, mm. like uh, Tudor Cinema Club, like just like the classic indie band. So Prentice would take inspiration from that, and we would. I think the songs from there are so much different from the songs we have now. Mm-hmm. But I know it sounds a bit cliche, but they're not too far away because the elements are still there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And you kind of touched on that there, but when you were reinventing yourself, did you have like an inspiration in mind that you mentioned Kings of Leon? Was it that kind of more rocky sound you were going for? Heavier? Like... Yeah, definitely. With um, being a Scottish band as well, it's like a lot of people don't give Scotland enough credit for how much music they actually produce because then um, mm. you have the, the biggest like Biffy Clyro, one of the biggest bands, you have like Louis Capaldi, one of the biggest solo artists in the world. You have Jerry Cinnamon who's just sold out every arena in the UK. You have um and you have like more like newer bands up and coming like the Snuts, like Retro Video Club, it's like Swim School, there's loads of good music in Scotland. Mm. But um the one that we kind of resonated with at the time was The View because The View are from Dundee mm-hmm. they were like we were 18 years old at the time and then we, we kind of seen a band like a, from like a working class area in Dundee go from being essentially like nothing to being like one of the biggest bands they got a number one record um, this the song Same Jeans was like one of the biggest indie songs of the 21st century so we kind of thought if they could do it then there's no reason why if we stick in and we work hard enough that, that we can't be able to but the songs yeah like um, we all love like um, guitar music mm-hmm. but we also like all love pop music as well so um, I think you've listened to a lot of our tunes a lot of them are quite like um, heavy distorted guitars but we also do love as I say like good pop music as well so we try and mix all these elements into one and make it yeah and especially in your newer songs I think they seem really fun they sound fun so I can totally see how that pop element's coming in there it's so cool yeah nice one <laughs> um so for our listeners who haven't discovered you guys yet can you give a brief kind of overview of your song style how would you describe yourself if you haven't heard this before it's kind of like um if you like guitar music and you like catchy melodies that hopefully will be like mm-hmm. stuck in your head for a, for a wee while, then um, that's the kind of music we are. It's just like quite easy on the ear. Um, it's funny because we have uh, the fans that we have, a lot of them are like teenagers or we have people who message us who are in their 40s. Like, it doesn't really matter what, like, what stage of your life you're at. It's really easy to listen to music and hopefully like it resonates well with the people who are listening. So yeah, just indie, indie pop kind of music. So yeah, like um, as I said, influences from early Kings of Leon, The Strokes, like some of the best, in my opinion, the best albums ever written. But also we, as I say, like pop music is like one of, it's the, one of the best kind of styles of music. So yeah, easy on the ear kind of music. Man, I'm so glad you say that because I have a few friends that are like hardcore indie listeners and they always say, oh, pop is the worst, it's so mainstream, blah, blah, blah. And my argument is, well, it's in the charts for a reason, right? 
So you know, I think yeah. it works, right? <laughs> and I think people just always no, no. pop super cheesy and all this and that. But you've you've shown like when you create a hybrid and use little bits and pieces from each style, it really works. I, I love it. Definitely, yeah. Because it's not not only do we listen to like indie music and pop music, like that, like um, Dylan's favorite band's The Beatles, which is mm. like years and like fifty years ago, like, if not more than that, like sixty years ago, and like we also like like uh, folk music. We also like like uh, garage rock. It doesn't really matter. Do you know what I mean, if it, if it sounds good, yeah. then it doesn't really. Like, you shouldn't put a label on it. Do you know what I mean? And as you said, pop music, like um, it's doing as well as it is for a reason, isn't it? So. We just try and aspire to take bits of like influences from, and that's a really cool idea. We mm. should put that into our into our own music. I love that the idea that there's kind of no barriers to, and that's how you create fresh stuff, especially when there's millions 100%. of songs already being created in the world. You need to kind of think outside the box without getting yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what's your songwriting process like? Is it do you guys all have a rough idea and kind of bounce off one another? Or like you've already mentioned, your um bandmate Prentice, he kind of takes the lead on some stuff, but how would you do Yeah. So um with with the songwriting process from within the band, it's just Prentice that does the songs and then however he has done some co-writes before, so he, he has written with other people before. And um, he's written with like, um, which is really cool. Touching on what we said earlier, he's done some stuff with Kyle Faulkner from The View, like the lead singer. He's written some songs with like, uh, like Keenan from Circa Waves. He's written some songs with like some really cool people. And um, so he, within the band, it's, it's just him. However, he does write with our producer quite a lot, Rich. Mm-hmm. And Rich has written for like Blossoms and like Cortinas and the Coral. Um, but he really enjoys doing that too because like it's kind of the best of both worlds and especially with Rich, a lot of the songs we've done for the first album and second album have been written with him. So they'd go away and get up like a really rough demo. Mm-hmm. Then he says to me, because like once you have the, the bones of the, the track, he says to me and Dylan, what do you guys think of this? And then Prentice writes like so many, so many songs, it's so many demos. Like when we done the first album, we had about 30 demos and we had to pick oh. like 12 songs to pick because we had That's some certain dream, songs that were going on. You it. want a big choice rather than <laughs> scraping the barrels, but that's what you've got to make. <laughs> well, it, it's, fu- it's funny that because like it, it is amazing, but at the same time, you start like there's a lot of songs that we think, oh, that should have maybe, but the, because I'm, again, I'm not to like say this, all the songs are really good because Prentice will admit it himself, sometimes it just that's a damn up, but um, as a as gives you quite a sore head when you have to pick like twelve songs or whatever when there's so many demos. And I suppose that's one reason why um we've released a debut in May 2020, and our new record's coming out in August 2021. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, that's quite a quick turnaround because a lot of bands don't release their second album until like maybe two years or something. Mm-hmm. We've not even played the show from the first album, yeah. and um, the fact that we're bringing our second album out is—it's—it's really—it's amazing to be honest. Because yeah, with all the uncertainty that happened last year, we kind of just thought we need to crack on. So Prentice was away at the start of last year, before lockdown. I say when the, when life was normal, I guess he started writing for the second album, 
Then um, obviously everything that happened, he started writing. And I think a lot of those songs and the sentiment of the album, like what we hope to find, is just like it all played a part of everything that was happening in the world within that time. Oh my god, that's so interesting. I was just going to talk about your first album, but I can't wait to hear your second one already. It sounds absolutely <laughs> fascinating. I just love the idea that even at the start of last year, he was already writing for a year ahead. That just shows your commitment and how much you all clearly love what you do. You just, like, the creativity is just, like, pouring out you. It's really, it's a good way to be, for sure, when you're in the creative business. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> So let's go back to your first album and you released that last year. It was called Everything Changes in the End and it was so successful. Were you surprised at how well it was received because it was 21 in the UK chart and second in the Scottish chart, which is yeah. wild yeah. for a first it album. It was, it was insane because um, if life was normal last year and there wasn't anything that happened in the world. I, I don't, like, even then, I don't think we would, have, we would have done so well. But it's really funny because we were midway through our album one, so we'd announced the album at the start of the year. We'd released a few songs and our album was coming out in May. Then mm -hmm. in March, as you know, everything kind of went downhill for everyone. <laughs> and we had a lot of Zoom calls with, yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of Zoom calls with our management and staff and, I remember we were saying it's really funny in hindsight, but we were saying we could we could push the album back to like August of 2020, which obviously we didn't have done anything because we're we're like we're hopefully just coming out of it all now. But um, I'm really happy we never pushed the album back at all. We just kind of we kind of say to ourselves, look, we had all these amazing stuff planned. However, we're not going to be able to do all that kind of stuff now. So we're just going to stick with it, release album in May, and we'll see what happens. Because um, as I said, if life was normal, I don't think we would have got a top. I didn't think we'd ever get a top 100, never mind to get a uh, top 40. And then um, with like not with the number 21. So when when we really continued just to release the album on the 29th of May, I honestly thought, it's been in a lockdown. I was like, who's going to buy the album? Who's going to... Because when you release your album, what we're going to do for this album, we're going all over the UK. We're going to play in-store gigs. We're going to sell vinyls and CDs and of the week of the album, but we couldn't do that, obviously. So I just thought, you know what, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. If we, if this is the end of Vistas, if we don't get a second album, if we, all that kind of stuff starts playing into your head. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, see, we released the album on the Friday, then by the Monday, the official charts were like, they're in, um, Vistas are going for a, a top 20, which sadly, whenever we got, we got a 21. To a top forty, but I remember seeing that, and I, I, I was saying to, I was saying to a manager, I was like, "What? Well, how's this happening?" And it was just amazing. So many people just got behind the band, and they were just buying the album, and then, like, I mean, so much of it. Like, so many of my friends were like buying the album, and it just all the love that we got for that time as well, yeah. and a time when when people needed it. We were just like, "This is so amazing." So yeah, when we, it's, it's funny though because we released our album on the same day as Lady Dada, and she, she got number one in Scotland, so I was like, oh man, I, I love Lady, Lady Dada, but I kind of thought to myself, if she just waited another few weeks, I know, we could have got number Lady one in Gaga. Scotland. <laughs> but I, 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 she's one of those people, it's like Ariana Grande, like Drake, 
like all those like artists, they're like next level. There's no way you can compete with them. So to be honest, you gave it a good go though. Uh, to be fair, yeah, number two. I know that's funny because <laughs> I'm kind of saying to myself, right on I'm a bit two. Gutted, but to get number two, it's it is, it you, is mental. But yeah, like it's Lady Gaga. That's like insane. But yeah, she's like she is one of the biggest artists in the world, isn't she? So, but yeah, we were just um, we were so happy with it and. I think um, we were so like proud of how other people took it as well because we had no idea how it would do. And um, it's funny because we've released a couple of songs already for the, the second album mm-hmm. and people people tweet us saying like, Vistas are like saving us in lockdown once again. And oh, I kind of thought to myself, that's mental, isn't it? Because like we released our album in a lockdown and the first song that we released in our second albums we're still in London. So I mean, so it's nice to see people actually still like care about us. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to just getting out and playing and playing some shows. I bet. Oh. So obviously your first album was really well received, but was there any feedback in particular that kind of took you by surprise or you were you loved? It was it was it was really nice because um as I said, we so we started in high school. And uh, we finished high school in 2014, which is really mad, mad to think about seven years ago. But um, a lot of, like, a couple of teachers from high school and uh, one of our music teachers, uh, Mr. Perry, who, if you, on our album as well, where it says, like, thank you to like, our management, our booking agents, we actually credit, like, say thank you to, to Jade Perry, our music Aww. teacher. But uh, when he messaged us, and it's, it's the same for the second album, he's in there too, because, like, we used to love going to music and he was just like the best the best guy to ever meet. But um it was for that, like for people messaging you, when this, when he messaged us all saying I'm re- like I'm really proud of you guys, it was really nice. And um people we haven't spoke to for a few years, like since high school probably, they've messaged they message us saying it's nice to see you guys have actually like been successful with it all. So it was nice to see that that kind of message because um especially when we were in lockdown so I mean it was nice yeah. just to see people like showing love to it all but the whole the, the success with it all the thing that took us all by surprise was um was the like honestly going into the charts because like being guitar music now it's so hard to get into the charts being a guitar band like a new guitar band because you always have the classics of like the Arctic Monkeys and like two of the cinema club who are like like stadium bands kind of they're massive mm. massive mm. bands but to be a new band who are solely just guitar music is really hard to break into so um there's there's really few that have done it well the, the snuts recently they got a number one which is amazing I'm, i was buzzing for them um, and hopefully that just paves the way for other artists to push through and guitar music hopefully will will be there to stay for the next long time yeah, I believe it will, and I believe you guys will as well. But no pressure for album two <laughs> when you start off. So I know, well. I'm really How are you guys feeling for the second album release? We're so we're so buzzing because um yeah. we've been rehearsing again, so we've not actually played. It's funny, like the last couple of weeks we've been in the rehearsal room for the first time this year, which is mental because we're in May, so five months in, and um. This is really funny, but once we release our second album in full, we'll have just under 50 songs, which is ridiculous for a band to have 50 songs. And when we play a tour, we'll, 
at most we'll probably play about like 18 songs. Right. So you're, you're talking about a good 30 songs you aren't going to play. Um, so we have to bear in mind that we're playing shows if they all go ahead in July and August, then September and December. But we need to bear in mind that we've not played the first album yet. Mm. So even though the second album's still so fresh in our mind, we need to, I think we're going to play a lot more from the first album okay. with still a lot of songs from the second album um, because we've not toured that yet. However, when we tour next year, I think it'll be vice versa, a lot more of the second album with a lot of the first album. But it's going to be impossible because like, you're planning the like the Battleland show in your head, 18 songs. But see, for a festival show, you play eight songs. So we're like, how, how are we meant how to pick down like, yeah. tunes to play? So it's giving us a bit of a headache, but I suppose it's quite a good like, headache to have, isn't it? Yeah, you better have more options. As much as it's hard to whittle down, they always say you're the worst editor of your own work as well because you're just like, so much love has went into each of these projects and for you songs. Exactly that, yeah. It's, it must be yeah. hard. Who, who does pick? Is it a group decision or is it your producer kind of has yeah. a nice perspective and lets you know that? Well, we, the three of us, we just we have an idea of what we think it should be. Then we we do send it to like management and stuff like that and we say like what do you, like do you think this is but a, a lot of the songs will always be there to stay like retrospect and like mm-hmm. calm like the ones that stream really well like on Spotify and stuff they'll have to be there. But it's funny because once you once you say the four that stream really well, like better than other ones, you only for a festival show you have another four songs to yeah. pick. Which we have two albums worth of music. So like, what did we actually play? So yeah, we just we pick it ourselves and we just get some advice from like friends and like even family too, and just be like, you know I mean, what what do you guys think about this? But I suppose it's quite bad when you when you ask too many people because too many people have different ideas and sometimes better just to stick it to like the, the three of us and see what what we fancy them. You trust your gut because no doubt the ones that you really enjoy performing as well will yeah. be received well you can always tell as someone in the audience when a band or a singer loves what they're doing so i think that's the way to do it for sure yeah definitely so i want to talk about your new music video stuck in your head which is amazing i love it, it the song's great but the music video is so funny and so creative and it kind of you've had a whole rebrand haven't you as well you've got a very unique aesthetic. Yeah. It reminds me of 75. Um, is that kind of what you were going for? <laughs> feels so bad if I've got the wrong decade here. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it really was... Daunting. No, no, definitely. Yeah, you're spot on. So let's take it back to like the mm-hmm. whole visual branding before we go into the music video. So how, how did you mm-hmm. guys decide you kind of wanted to go for that look? It's one of the most like conscious things that we're always thinking about is, is mm-hmm. um our artwork, our single artwork. Even from before we released our album, one thing that we take quite a lot of pride in is that we take a lot of um we think about it loads because, at the end of the day, like it's one of the most important things because if you're streaming it on Spotify, if you if you see the CD, you see the album, or see the single, this has to be eye catching. So we always thought um with the first album, it kind of just it doesn't even have the, the name of the band in it. It doesn't even have everything changes in the end. It's just a big picture, which, pardon me, I think it's kind of um, 
you just, I don't want to say a statement, but you see it and it just speaks yeah. for itself. It so really for the second album, we were, we were thinking we need to, we can't just like go from like here to like to here. So we, we thought about it loads and then we always wanted it to be like illustrated. And then we, we like, we knew a few people who we thought might be good. And there's a guy, really talented guy that lives in London called Cameron West. And we got in contact with him. Uh, our manager manages a few other artists and he's done some really good stuff for them before. So we were a fan of his work. And we just got in contact with him and we were like, all we know at the moment is this is the idea we have. We don't really know what style we want, but we know it's going to be called what we're hoping to find. So we then eventually, after a few conversations with him, we kind of said, as you pointed out earlier, it's in the 70s, like, kind of like old movie posters, like mm-hmm. the Vertigo kind of like posters yeah. and stuff. So we we thought that could be quite cool for the, for the second album campaign to, to focus on that. And he was well into it. He was like, what do you guys think about this? And he was, we're in a group chat with him and we speak to him every day and he's constantly wow. making stuff for us. And then, so yeah, we, we're, as, we, as I said, we really wanted to make sure that it wasn't, like we didn't let let ourselves down with it. We wanted to make sure it was as, as best as, as it could be. So um, when he came back with the whole idea, it's, it's all kind of like um, like optical illusions. Mm-hmm. So the, the album artwork is like an optical illusion. All the single artwork is like optical illusions. And I remember when he sent back the the final, like the, the second album artwork, it's like, loads of squares with loads of different people on it and so much going on. And I remember looking at it, we, we all thought to ourselves, this is, this is amazing. This is something you could have like framed up or like, mm-hmm. as a poster on your wallet or whatever. And every time you look at it, you see something different. So as soon as you sent that over, we knew that, that was the one we wanted. And sometimes we say in the group chat, like, I don't know about that. However, it was me, Prentice Dillon, our manager, and the guy that works with our manager, we were we were all just like, this is amazing. Yeah, don't so, even think about so, yeah, it. Yeah, that's how that came about. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. and as you said, there's no point overthinking it. So mm. we just kind of thought, this is amazing. Let's just fun with this, and I'm so glad we did. Oh, it's so eye catching, it, and it really is so different to everything else that I've seen. The colors, the optical illusions, it it does give you the wow factor. I'm sure you've been told that, but as an outsider. It, it really has that. No, it's good to hear, yeah. Consumers. So you've yeah. carried nice that show. aesthetic to your music video as well with yeah. comedy. And I've noticed you've done the yeah. comedy thing in a lot of your videos as well. And it's something that works really well with your sound and your image and all that. Um, so what was the, the plan for the music video? Do you guys always have this story in your head that you want to play out? How does that work? I'm fascinated. To be honest, um, the the plan or like who has the idea for it is actually our manager. Like he right. sometimes he just says like ah, this is what I'm thinking. I, I don't know if that's that normal, but like he he has a really good idea for for what it is. And then um, we use a company down in London called Headwrecker, mm-hmm. and um, they done our teenage blues video, which we weren't in, and um, they done our soccer video, which was mm-hmm. with um, Martin Chenham and the, the, the dad from In Between Us, as everyone yeah. knows him. Um, we done, um, what was that? We done Stuck in Your Head from Stranger. 
So we have a really good relationship with them because we've done so many videos with them. And the whole idea was, Te uh, sorry, our manager, Terry, Terry said um, he thinks this could be a really cool idea. Like, um, it's like a, an American with like 70s, everything goes wrong, they try to sell stuff, all yeah. that. And we were, we were well up for it. We were like, why not? Like, what's the, what's the worst that could happen? So we went down. I was, we actually went down last month. It wasn't even that long ago we went down. Really? So it was a really quick turnover oh. that we did it. So we, we shot two music videos mm -hmm. and then one for another song coming out later in the year. And the other day we done that one. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then we do have quite a lot of say if if um, the director, Callum, if he said, I'm, I'm not too sure like if you guys want to do this or that. And if we didn't want to do it, we would just say it. But there's a scene in the music video where there's a wee sausage dog and the sausage yes. dog's just oh, walking no. about. And I'm, <laughs> I was I, yeah, I was meant to be it was meant to be Dylan that had that scene. But I was like, nah, I, I wanna do <laughs> I wanna do that thing. <laughs> so I made I made me and Dylan swap back. So um, we have a bit of like say, well we have a lot of say in it, but when it comes to the overall idea, it's our management who sorted all that kind of stuff and he spoke to the 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 company. And they do loads of cool music videos for like Pale Pale Waves and they just done one for like Becky Hill yeah. and like all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Oh no, it's such a great music video. And for those who haven't watched it, I totally recommend it. It's so fun and it really, it just goes with the music so well. I, I had a great time watching it. Yes. I've actually watched it a few times. So your views are going up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. She was good. Um, so let's start talking about your tours you've already mentioned it and you are going to play at the truck festival this year and I can't believe we're even talking about the possibility of festivals you're actually performing at once so how do you feel that you're finally getting to play your music live to your fans it is it is really really strange because when we recorded the album at the end of last year the second album in December we were in Liverpool recording that I remember thinking back then, this is before the vaccine was even announced. We were, we were just thinking, when is this going to like yeah. come to an end? And then obviously it's been brilliant. And like we all three of us have had, we've actually had the vaccine too, which is really, really good. Okay. Um, so now it seems that, to me, it still seems really insane to think about how at the end of July, uh, when a truck festival is, is that we are going to be playing it after big festival and that was one of our favorite festivals to play we played the main stage last time and it was so busy and it was just like amazing to like see so many people but looking back over the last year it just i don't know hopefully they all go ahead they're all scheduled to go ahead so mm -hmm. who, who knows i mean fingers crossed but um we, we actually have three festivals that weekend, which is really cool. So at the end of July, we're doing Truck Festival on the, mm -hmm. on the first day. It's us, Blossoms and the Snuts and like Phoebe Green, loads of cool artists are playing it. Then over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I can't remember what days they are, but um, I think it's Why Not Festival and we're doing Tramlines Festival, like Sheffield and like, I think everyone's in the Lake District. Mm -hmm. So it's really insane to think about. We've done no show since November 2019 to on that weekend we'll do three festivals so hopefully it all goes ahead yeah. but it's going to be as I said earlier Karen it's going to be really funny because for a festival you play about eight songs so we need to think what eight songs we're going to actually play for these for these festivals but 
yeah, we just can't wait. Like we've been like itching to get back at it since um since lockdown first started in March last year. So hopefully that all goes ahead. I bet, and it's going to be all the more sweeter because you've waited that long and you've got all this French music to play. And oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm buzzing at the fact yeah. that they're going ahead, and I do believe they will. I think this time last year it, we were so on the fence. Obviously, nothing actually ended up happening, but you know those trial raves have gone on down in London. Um, Liverpool actually it was, wasn't it? Vaccine deck. Yeah. I have a good vibe. Touching on that, you say the the raves in Liverpool that happened on the Friday in Liverpool, on the Sunday of that weekend in Liverpool at Sefton Park, they uh, they the band Blossoms. They they oh. played at Sefton Park and there were six thousand people. There was no social distancing, no masks, nothing. If you wanted to go, you had to have a negative test, right. and you had to have a Liverpool postcode. But that's that that was in the start of May, so which is a few weeks ago now, but. 10 days after there was no spike in cases so mm-hmm. it seemed like because it was an outdoor dead in a big tent 6,000 people and there was no dramatic effect with it all then as you were saying you think they'll go ahead the festivals in July to be honest so that if so that was such a good trial run and and as you said the, the rave in Liverpool I remember seeing that on the Friday night and I was just like <laughs> Even with the one on Sunday with Blossoms, it's quite emotional. You're like, how is it's just so nice to see so many people just actually, it's just not like normality, which we've not had in the last 12, 12 months. Oh, like I could get teary eyed just thinking about it, honestly. See, for that first moment when we're all together, it's going to be, you're just going to appreciate gonna amazing, it yeah. like you've never appreciated it before. I can't wait. And the fact that you're able to give yeah. that feeling to a crowd as well must be special because you, you're the one yeah. that's bringing everyone together. So, God knows that must just be so overwhelming. What it generally is. It's just, I can't come quick enough. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it can all go ahead. Yeah. And it, all of our shows that for the remainder of the year can go ahead. But let's just see what happens. Just take it day, day by day. No point in getting too ahead of ourselves. Although I would start choosing your eight songs now because they'll come uh, round yeah. quicker than you know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll need to get on that pretty soon, but I, I'm not looking forward to it, so there's going to be a headache doing that. Well, at least you've got your tour as well, and that's almost sold out. Can you believe the reaction yeah. to that as well? Because you've added dates, haven't you? Yeah, so um, New- the Newcastle show was sold out, but we've upgraded it to another few hundred tickets. Um, Bristol and Birmingham and Leeds are all sold out, which is really cool. Um, Manchester, is like a hun- less than 100 left as of last week. I'm not too sure how many is left now. Um, London, there's like a couple of hundred left, it's like 1,200 people, like, which will be good. Um, Battlelands sold out, so we put another date on there. Like, that is like, um, the, as a Scottish band, that is like the pinnacle of yeah. is, um, going back to the high school days. We always like messed about when we first started in our old band. We always said, How amazing would it be to, to play a show there one day? Never mind headline it and never mind doing two nights there. So it's really, wow. it's really special. So we're looking forward to that. And um, that's in December. So the tour is in September, but the two Battleland shows are the first and second of December. So yeah, fingers crossed they go ahead. I think I think they should go ahead because it's so long away, but you never yeah, know. Like, as I said, <laughs> you never yeah, know. <laughs> just, never know. It should literally all go all go wrong, but fingers crossed it doesn't. 
that's so lovely what you said there about how you used to joke about this when you were in high school. Do you ever take a moment? I don't know if it's a moment like this when you're actually talking about how successful you guys are, but does it ever hit you? Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? Yeah, that, honestly, because we've been in this band for the, the best part of maybe five years and see for the first two, two or three years, we, I'm not sure like undersell it, but we, we, we never made any money from it. Like um, we had to like, I worked at, uh, like we all had full-time jobs, apprentice was studying. Um, but when we got management and stuff, we kind of thought to ourselves, like, I'm, I'm at the time I was like, 21. If I wanted to get another job like this, I probably could. So I, I finally quit my full-time job and I didn't have work for a couple of months. I started working in town at a pub, like a music venue, sorry, and pulling pints. And you're making sometimes like £100 a week, which is nothing really, because mm-hmm. you were like, you had no money. Then, um, so we all had, we all, we really prioritised this more than anything over the last five years so three years in like then when you sign with the, the first record deal then the second record deal it's really it's nice to just think it was all worth it and yeah. driving all over the UK at like two in the morning from like Inverness to Edinburgh like from Brighton to Southampton to all over the, we played so many shows and some, sometimes there was like 20 people there and that's been generous you know what I mean so um, it's just nice to like, as you say, when we're talking about you, do kind of realise to yourself, it was all worth it. I mean, we seem to be doing pretty well, and hopefully that may like continue. So, so yeah. Well, I'm sure it will. If your first album's anything to go by, you guys are just going to keep going up and up for sure. <laughs> Cheers. So before we end, can I ask if you have a quote that you like to live by? Maybe it's got you through some of those hard times when you're pulling pints and making hundred pound a week. <laughs> It's funny because um, with the question, like with the quote, I mean, the guys were, were talking about this not too long ago, me, Prentice and Dylan. Mm-hmm. And um, if you, for a really good quote, Prentice would be the guy to, to get one from because he's the most intelligent guy I've ever, I've ever met. However, I don't really have a, an amazing quote, but the one quote that I always think of every day was from Prentice. He, <laughs> I don't know why he said it. But he got interviewed a couple of years ago and they asked him a similar question. And he and he said, drink plenty of water. And I know that sounds really daft. And I remember he said that. And then he turned around and he said, that's just a good model for life. I was like, you're not wrong, to be honest. You're like, you should you're drink not plenty wrong of water. At all. So, but, so I think that's generally the only, I'm not like, I don't have that many amazing quotes that I live by. But one thing I do live by is that one, because as you said, if you, I'm not wrong, you need to drink plenty of water. So I, I'll go for that one. I love it. And I'm sure it's the one quote that I guarantee everyone listening will be able to relate to. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Galvanise. And of course, a huge thank you to Jamie for taking his time out to talk to me. I wish him and the Vistas all the best for their tour and their festivals this year. Fingers crossed they all go ahead. I'm sure they will. And a huge thank you to the listeners. Remember to share and rate us on Apple Podcasts. See you next week.